You are listening to The Apprenticeship Diaries. This is All In, part one of our interview with Derek Hartman from Art and Soul Tattoo Gallery in New Glarus, Wisconsin. Welcome to The Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Fantastic. Hello, Diary listeners. Uh, I'm here today with Derek Harkman from Art and Soul Tattoo and Gallery in Wisconsin. That's New uh, Glarus. Is that right? New Glarus? Yep. New Glarus, okay. Wisconsin. All right. I'm just learning about this. <laughs> but uh, we're meeting today with Derek. Derek hit me up. I was I was super um, flattered uh, by you that you gave us love right away about the podcast. So that was really cool of you. So we did a shout out. You guys deserve it. I mean, (laughs) it's cool seeing like all the the hard work that everybody's putting into new things these days. So you guys are very welcome. Thank you. Uh, We're trying. uh, We're we're blessed because, well, I mean, I guess I'm blessed in a lot of ways. We're both blessed because we're blessed in each other. It's, it's a pretty cool life. Tattooing is a pretty cool profession, but I had the fortunate, um, the fortune of meeting uh, really awesome people in the beginning of my career. Um, Guy Atchison, Gabe Ripley, um, the reinventing the tattoo faction. And then, you know, kind of once I started a podcast, they, um, they were like, Hey, you, you have a podcast. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, do you, do you want an affiliation? And I was like, fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, it was really dope. And I was like, this is all like, I mean, you know, we don't, apparently none of us are making money yet. And that that's reassuring too. <laughs> but it's all like a labor of love and people like you are the, the, you know, really the reason why we're doing this, we wanted to be good. We wanted to get better. So to hear those kind of good notes, I mean, even bad notes, like we don't want you to one star the fuck out of our podcast, but if you can give us some <laughs> constructive criticism, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> so. Com- Compensation is always nice. Right. But it's, it's yeah. awesome seeing how far you guys have taken it from the beginning of your platform to kind of where you guys are at now. So yeah, yeah when I first heard of you guys, I just wanted to reach out because I don't think you know, that validation that so many people seek is always out there. Um, and it may come in the form of just like, you know, a little emoji on a comment when, you know, why not take the extra step and just really, you know, reach out to somebody and tell them what uh, hard work uh, and yeah. how awesome it is that they're doing the thing that they're doing. So Thank yeah, that's, you. that's what I saw from you guys. Well, and it was, it matters to us because, uh, you know, in, in terms of any professional career, reaching out to the people that you admire or that you think is doing a good job or, or even just following them for a while. And they see you. I want people to know that even if you don't comment, if you're a regular, you know, subscriber or liker or anything, I'm obsessed, man. Like, I mean, I, I see the likes, I see the people that really give me a lot of love and um, it, it matters, especially if you're hunting something. So in terms of, you know, what we're all here to talk about, uh, the people, the people that hold the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, they're, they're taking note, like they pay attention. So it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all strive for that. We all, we all see those things. Yeah. Yeah. 
But we're here today with you because, you know, of that initial lead in. But uh, I'm excited to learn about your story because, you know, I'm just meeting you. I I want everybody else to meet you. You seem like a dope human just in what I've already experienced, what we've already experienced from you. So uh, how long have you been tattooing now? So I've been tattooing what would be about two and a half years now. Right on. Um, Started with like a six month apprenticeship uh, for which, you know, that was kind of the estimated timeline COVID kind of mixed some things up in there so I say about two and a half years now so nice COVID is uh we've met several artists now that have um really kind of gotten their their teeth in tattooing during COVID and that's that's got to be its own trial in in itself (laughs) yeah yeah go ahead I was going to say, it's like taking whatever forward momentum you have and just having it come to a complete halt, especially when you're kind of first starting. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, if you made it through that, you can basically make it through anything. That's that's how I got to look at it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I remember my my first apprentice when um, our off season right before Christmas hits. It's, it's a typical lull for us. Um, when it hits, she was like, how the fuck am I supposed to make money, dude? And I was like, uh this happens like every year. And I was like, it's going to be fine because once you get the momentum of like your clientele and stuff, and there's just feast and famine, you know, when to save and when not. And I was like, but this is typical. And, and, and before that it was, how do I like cultivate a clientele in a private studio? We have no walk-ins. And I was like, don't worry. It's all going to be fine. You have more Instagram followers than I do. I'm pretty sure. This is all going to be okay. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> if you trust yourself to jump into it, you kind of have to trust everything that's going to come. And even yeah. if it's not there at the time, you know, you just, you got to follow that life path. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and commit. and that's, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Commit completely. So what was your, what was, how did, how did you get there? Like before that happened? And then you can talk about that. So what was the, the spark? Yeah. So I, my upbringing in all things art was, pretty much just non-existent as far as my family and culture went. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I was just hooked on drawing from like a real young age. And I, I never really got the, um, um, the fortitude to be told to go pour, you know, pursue uh, these life endeavors that I had because I was young, you know, and people, adults, parents, uh, you know, they don't necessarily always see uh, what that small kid really wants to bring to the table and what they really want to do with their lives because, you know, they're eight years old and they're just drawing for fun at that age. Right. Right. Um, and then, so by the time I started, uh, reaching my teenage years, you know, I never stopped really drawing into any of that. Um, and you know, I just remember being in factory. That was, I, I can't remember what I saw, but I saw a tattoo. Um, it was a piece. It was called like war of angels and demons. I can't remember who the artist was on that, but I got to look it up. And I saw it like in a magazine from somewhere and on there was just kind of polstered tattoo. Um, And that kind of resonated with me, you know, just from a young age, not knowing uh, anything about the industry or anything about, you know, that art or media. Cause all I knew was, you know, pencil and crayon. That's all I really knew at the time. And I remember bringing it up to my parents and just, you know, always asking them like, you know, can I get a tattoo when I'm older? Like, I I think it'd be kind of cool to have something like that on me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah and uh like i come from a very very conservative family like nobody has any tattoos like i said you don't really get the um 
you don't really get any gratitude for wanting to pursue anything in the arts or anything like that. Um, but like I said, I just, I never stopped drawing. And so I was always, I was always fiddling with that. And then it kind of came time for me to come around to, uh, decide whether or not I wanted to actually pursue something in the arts, you know, go to college after high school, you know, what are you going to do with your life? And unfortunately I fell into the mainstream, you know, kind of go to college, get a degree, kind of go through that. But, um, when I went through college, I actually, I, I wanted to be, I didn't want to be this, but I started going for accounting because I didn't know what else to do with my life. Right. And that's a good some, yin to the yang or whatever of art, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's certainly in there with, um, all the facets that come with it. Um, not knowing that at the time too, that, you know, this, you'd be the sole proprietor of, you know, your own kind of little business, mm-hmm. uh, within whatever shop you may be, whether it be a private studio or, um, uh, working at another shop with the collective. And so I, I quickly changed my mind. I'm like, you know, this is great. Like I'm good at accounting, but I'm not going to sit here, be a number cruncher all day. <laughs> not, right. not knocking anybody who's an accountant because they're needed. Yeah. So uh, then I swapped over to teaching the next semester. I swapped over to computer science and I started doing all that stuff. And I'm just like, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't see myself sitting here typing code. Right. And it was at that time, you know, I remembered like, well, why not get back into my art? You know, I was so passionate about that at a young age. Why not? Why not dip in? I'm already, you know, 40 grand in the hole. <laughs> why not go all in yeah. at that point and actually try and get something out of it? And so uh, I ended up graduating with a Bachelor of Applied Arts in uh, two-dimensional design uh, with a minor in media design production technology. Um, so you get a little bit of that background uh, engulfed in everything that is your major, which, you know, for me, I think I've listened uh, to things you've spoken on too. It's uh, a lot of experimenting and playing around with different mediums between printmaking, drawing, photography, sculpting, all those kind of medias. Um, and so by the time that I finished up my degree and I uh, got out of college, it, you know, it was time to kind of start making money. When you're, when you're in debt like that, you know, it's kind of like, well, shoot, am I really going to be able to pursue tattooing? Because, you know, I, I had uh, in college, I finally got my first tattoo um, and I, you know, I surprised my mom like, two years later with it. <laughs> and she, I don't know how I kept it hidden from her. <laughs> we were like on vacation. Uh, I like just turned 21 and I'm, I'm like sitting there covering my back, trying to hold off on what I got. It's not even a back piece. You know, it's like a $120, uh, $120 like just black packed. <laughs> <sitting on it. laughs> and, um, but that was enough for me to know like, shit, tattoos aren't cheap. Yeah. So by the time that I, uh, eventually told her, you know, I got a tattoo and, uh, you know, I'm going back to school for art now. Uh, she was kind of like, you know, what are you going to do with, how are you going to make money off that? I'm like, you know, I, I got a plan here. And so mm-hmm. after you graduate, you got to figure out how you're going to at least be able to make a stable income. Um, right. because it was my thought, you know, if I don't know where I got the notion, I think I just started doing like research. Um, when I was in college, like, okay, how are people getting in like into this world and how are they making it work? Like from these few artists, I'm like the same guy that started at this shop uh, from when I was in college is still there. And I'm like, I bet he's making bank off of it. Um, It was never a matter of like money or anything for me, but I'm just like, there is a way to sustain life in that world if you want to cultivate that. And um, so I ended up taking a job. I actually grew up in the Metro Detroit area, uh, about 40 minutes outside of Detroit. And um I ended up landing my first job out in the outer suburbs of Chicago. And so I've always been an adventurer in college. I landed a job 
uh, working out in Colorado for like seven months with a bunch of guys on employee housing. So that was like, you know, from tattoos to just wanting to get out there and uh, just see the world from a young age. You know, it, it only it only carried on to me then taking the next step, going to Chicago, um, starting a job uh, in more of a corporate setting and then moving up to the uh, Madison, Wisconsin area. Uh, where I finally felt like, okay, I've got, you know, finances in control here. I've got means to actually go get tattoos and actually, you know, get to know an artist. And, you know, really, if I want to try and take the dive into this, now's kind of the time. Because one of the things I remember, like my professors talking about is, you know, it's just so sad um, how many people go to school for art and then never end up using that degree. And, you know, that, that time from when they're in college to the time they graduate is when they're in their prime. And I, and it's sad to say, I know a handful of people uh, who are in my class that we all ended up going for the same degree. And I, I was just looking at uh, like on Facebook, just kind of trolling around in our old groups and everything. I'm like, I don't think anybody's doing anything right now. And, you know, I never wanted to lose sight of that. And so uh, when I finally had the means uh, to go get tattoos and actually get to know an artist, um, you know, I sat down and, you know, the more you, the more you just talk with somebody, the more you connect with them. Um, and I, you know, I, I actually floated the question around to, uh, the owner at the time, not the person who was tattooing me just saying, Hey, you know, like, what do you think? It, like, would you mind ever reviewing like a portfolio of mine kind of thing? And I just kind of got shrugged off as you know, you kind of often do depending on the area. Um, but then, uh, the girl who was tattooing me, you know, just through getting to know each other, she finally gave me some pointers on a portfolio review. And uh, she shot my name over to a place uh, that was taking on apprentices. And, uh, you know, I got in uh, with our owner, her name's Beth Spear. You know, I couldn't be more grateful for her giving me an opportunity to step into the the shop that I'm at now and uh, I'm continuing to help grow and learn from. Uh, She gave me that shot. So, you know, it was just, you go to many, many shops and, you know, you kind of get looked at with the, you know, you sure you really want to get, you really want to get into this. We're not into like wasting time. Like, you know, can you afford this first and foremost? And I'm like, okay, I think I've got that box checked off. And so then it was just stepping back into, I feel like from what was a slowdown in my art, um, going from like the high school years to the college years, and then going through those foundational classes, it was like, okay, now's kind of a time to refine everything we know. Right. and put it into put it into this craft so right. that's 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 how i got to where i'm at <laughs> 28 years later <laughs> that's wonderful no I, I i like i like the story of that because um you know you touched on a few things that i actually experienced that i i still experience to this day um you know different players but equal doubts and even within myself um you know you have a plan but like you know, my parents, they, they suggested tattooing to me at one point where it was very early, but it was on their kind of recommendation. And of course, because it was on their recommendation, I was like, no, I don't even remember them recommending it to be quite honest with you. I think they had just kind of put in my head so much the illustration and college was the way to go. And that was, that was the next step that I was like, yeah, this is the next step. And it was available to me. Um, so, and I and I felt like my art school, my my magnet program that I went to for high school was kind of grooming me for that. Like that's what it seemed like was happening. I didn't realize it was actually grooming me to skip that altogether. 
and and it, that college was actually going to frustrate the fuck out of me. Um, but like, but when I finally dropped out of college and and went into like like you said more of like a corporate retail kind of whatever to kind of get my teeth uh, into you know, sales, marketing, advertising, things that were about building a business, you know, that my parents had done my whole life because they were small business owners, but I was always on the the outskirts of it. When I finally did that, they were like, what are you doing? You know, they had so many questions like you, like, how do you do this? Like, and I was like, I don't know, man, like I'm, I'm trusting the next person that keeps telling me like what I do. And this is what I know is out there. This is what I know. And I'm going with my gut. I'm just going, yeah. you keep telling me to go with my gut. I'm going with my gut. And, and it's led me here. And now, now my parents are less worried. There's other new players that are, you know, that are probably like, are you sure? And I'm like, not really, but <laughs> Hey man, I'm, I, I'm further along than I thought I'd ever be to get, you know, following this gut of mine. And it's, it's done pretty magical things to my life. So I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. You, you, you can jump on and off this train at any point, you know, you don't have to follow me, yeah. but I'm walking. I'm just keep on going one ticket at a time. But yeah, you brought up some, some good points there about like, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to pursue it when nobody really has a clear vision. And um, you just, you have this passion that you're like, no, I, I know what I want. I just, once I, once I see it, once I step on it, I know it, this, it's right. And, and you just keep digging. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what was your first tattoo? By the way, you said it was a, like a, a yeah, that I did or yeah, on, no, I mean, well, that you got yeah, so and that you did. It's like a little Egyptian glyph. Okay. Um, and it was, I was really into like gymnastics at the time. Right on. Uh, when I was in college. And so I learned how to do all this tumbling and everything. It was just a constant reminder of like baby steps. You Dope. know, if you want to learn how to do a backflip, you got to be able to do a handstand. If you want to be able to do a handstand, you got to be able to do a forward roll. And so just constant, constant progression through life. Got you. Yeah. It's always, it's always been a little reminder. Good to know. Yeah. I, uh, I'll practice my forward rolls because I'm still trying to get my handstand up. Uh, I don't, I currently my knees not going to be back flipping, but I would like a handstand. <laughs> I don't think it's ever too late to learn. No, no, no. I, I oh, have no backflip. Uh, I, I, I have to do some repair on my joints, but I, once that repair happens, I mean, earlier today I was asked if I would skydive and as of right now, fuck no. But like yeah. once I fix my knee, I can then think about different ways to fuck it up again. So like, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm with you. Like we never know I'm, as of right now, the answer is no, but timing's everything. Um, yeah. So, and I yeah. also that makes me um, think of the um, uh, is it the way of the peaceful warrior or the peaceful warrior? It's a book. Um, have you ever read that? I have not. It's great. It's all about um, if somebody you know if they listen to this podcast and they correct me, don't be shouting at the podcast screen and yelling at me if I got the name wrong. It's something I think it's the way of the peaceful warrior, but. They made a movie out of it that was a smaller version um, that, you know, like they always pick characters. That you're like, this is not how I imagine this person. Um, but it was all about a gymnast who um, meets this guy in a gas station who he ends up working with. And the guy in the gas station ends up being like this unbelievable um, guy, like almost like magician, like guy, like he, 
He can move him in and out of rooms seamlessly, quietly. He has like all this kind of low level, like martial arts kind of training. He was really, a ninja. Yeah. Like really advanced <laughs> wisdom. Like, and he was an older gentleman, but like, he just intrigued this kid who he kind of took under his wing and in, in the midst of, of this guy's learning and growing, he ends up getting in a horrific uh, motorcycle accident where he has learned all this from this um, master. And, and then he's in this unbelievable situation where he could either give up or, or keep going and rehabilitate him. And he loses faculties that he always had that he had always, you know, kind of identified with. I know and what you're talking a, about now. I've seen yeah. like snippets from the movie. From, yeah. Right. When you mentioned the book, I'm like, it sounds really familiar. Then you said movie and it clicked. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a good book. It's a really good book. And, um, lots of very quotable moments. Um, but it's, but it's all about, you know, the passion and, um, mentorship and, um, it's, it made me cry many times and, and also the human spirit and will. So like, yeah. I yeah. think along with that, like some of the hard pushes and pulls that we experienced too. Yeah. Like, I uh, mean, that is some of the most extreme in that scenario. Yeah. I've never had a, a complete rehabilitation, rehabilitation of myself. Um, I think I've, I think I've had a journey um, personally of just feeling different and leaning into the weird, to the, to the yeah. freak flag, <laughs> yeah. which sounds like you have too. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I ever, it's, it's crazy how much of that, you know, that gut instinct pulls you towards, uh, mm -hmm. you know, this world and it's yeah. for whatever reason, you know, it's, you, you listen to podcasts and you listen to other artists talk and the more you get involved in it, it's like, oh my God, where have these people been all my life? Like, you just feel like you're on such the same network that you've never experienced with other people that you've come in contact with. Then all the way over in Maryland now, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, not just, not just here in Wisconsin, but out there and everywhere. So, yeah. No. And, and the more you put yourself out there, the more you find that. Um, and, and truthfully, like I, my very first episode says, I, I really, when I got involved in this, I didn't like many tattoo artists, but I think it's just yeah. simply because I didn't, I didn't understand a lot of things. I didn't, um, I had a lot of ego in myself. And also, um, I, th I think you just got to find your tribe. Not every, not every person, just because they, they do the same things as you is going to be your person, you know? Yeah. So, um, what, uh, what was, I mean, we'll get to what your first tattoo was that you did, but, um, what was the kind of curriculum or, or things? I mean, we know you got hit with COVID, but what did, uh, what did Beth do with you? What was her, her way? So my apprenticeship was not at all by any means what I would consider a very traditional um, or conventional apprenticeship, um, just from what I've heard from like kind of other shops and how uh, when you kind of go around and you talk about it and you ask if, you know, you could uh, possibly apprentice at a shop, you know, they tell you kind of what the curriculum would be like, you know, what you'd be doing, um, you know, learning things like scrubbing tubes and how to make needles is like something I was never taught. I mean, I don't know if that just comes with, you know, today's day and age. It's, you know, it's still certainly something like I'd like to learn to this day. Um, but, you know, with that said, I was actually granted like a lot of freedom outside of the, uh, you know, show up, clean the shop, uh, get everything ready, you know, and if, you know, if you have time, maybe you can stencil somebody. 
Um, and you'd keep that regimen up for upward of, you know, three months, see how you're doing with that, constantly working on your drawings, um, because that's all you're going to have to market yourself with, right? Right. And then from there, you know, uh, going all the way from fake skin to pig skin, um, we have a few apprentices now who are collecting their pig skin, throwing it in the freezer. It'll be <laughs> nice, nice and red for summer next year. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> So, so we went we went through all that having to scrub um, and just constantly keep things clean. And then at the point of about uh, you know six months, you know it kind of comes time to you know time to nut up or shut up. What are you what are we doing here? And uh, then you start. I laid my first tattoo March twenty uh, fourth, two thousand nineteen. Nice. So, that's that's how we got to that. Damn, you marked the day. I love I love the nostalgia because I appreciate it because I'm not that person like you know so many of the apprentices that i've either watched or i've um been a part of they've kept notebooks and journals and you know uh, numbered the amount of tattoos they've done and you know even just down to anniversaries he's the first he's the first guy in my life that i've even marked when our first date was our first time you know hanging out together and that's now our anniversary but i i don't give a fuck about any of that shit i don't even I don't even care about my own goddamn birthday. I'm like, no, it's Same. whatever, man. Like, <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> so that's cool. I, hey, I what kind that. of what kind of machine did you start out with? Like a coil or a rotary? Oh my god, dude, I'm so spoiled. I, I so I started off with a rotary. Like right at the time the Zion started coming around. Nice. <laughs> it's just like nice. you know. I, I actually remember like one of the first things I was told to practice with was a coil. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember really liking the weight on the backhand of how a coil felt. And I just liked that it felt like, you know, it was like it hits hard. Right. Um, but I haven't touched coils ever since then. Like, again, that's something I'd love to learn is just knowing how to tune and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just fine, uh, fine tune these machines and, you know, make something kind of unique to yourself and hold that sentimentality behind it. Right. But yeah, outside of uh, only the few uh, bar needles and tubes that I've had to hook up onto a machine. Uh, it's been pretty eye-opening to see just how far along everything's come uh, before things I even knew about. And then, you know, pretty much everybody rolls with cartridges these days uh, where we're at. So, Well, and now you have people that are even crafting their own rotary machines, which, you know, that's pretty, pretty amazing to me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm 13 years in and I'm still fascinated about learning more about needles. I was talking today with Fawn Baker um, from the tattoo collecting podcast, we interviewed her and she's telling me about, um, Mark from needle jig. And I, I missed his presentation. I was at paradise BYOB and I, w- I wasn't able to sit on his presentation, but I have to, I met him and I, I really love the guy and I really want to know more about him. So I want to, I want to listen to his presentation, the replay of it. Um, and I'll pay even to, if he releases it as a, as a, um, as an actual seminar that you pay for um, because it breaks down like just it's it, the nerdiest way of each needle, not the grouping, the needles itself yeah. and why these needles are specific for the kind of work you're doing, why you want to use these, why you want to use certain tapers and all of that. So I really want to catch it because I have a vague knowledge based off of feel and preference just because I've, tr- I've tried a lot of things and I've experimented with them, but I'd love to know exactly why and kind of take that information going into it and really test it for <clears throat> myself and see. Um, yeah. Cause that would be cool. Same thing with machines. Like 
they were going to have, um, they were going to have Tony Urbanic, uh, do a machine building, uh, seminar there. And, and he ended up canceling. I, I don't know the reasons why, but I'm sure there was legitimate reasons, but I was bummed because I was going to, I was going to do that because I've only, I've only done it a few times, like building one from ground up. I disassembled one with an ex coworker of mine who said that we were going to reassemble it and he's going to show me everything. But when we reassembled it, it wouldn't work anymore. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, well, this is busted. He's like, uh, something, you know, like a spring might have popped in the actually, like the coil might have actually broke because it was an old machine. And he was like, well, this might, we might have done something. And I was like, all right, all right. Well, this, this is much like every kind of mechanical investigation that I ever have. And this is why I don't do this is because it's never as simple as it seems. It always snowballs into another tinker, totter, whatever the fuck YouTube videos and search down this goddamn rabbit hole that it was yeah. never supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> like, that obviously you've done, you know, had to. A lot of those people had to because, you know, they didn't have a tattoo machine if they didn't figure it out. But when you have options like the Zion, you know, you can continue making money and you can put that investigation on the back burner when you get there. And it's just so much, you know, I mean, you're walking into a very historical profession at this point that has so much, you know, behind you already. Um, yeah. and, it, and I do think it's all valuable to know, but like you, I think, and, and my first apprenticeship uh, that I did, not me, but that I gave to someone um, I just wanted her making money. Like uh, for what I saw was like the same as you. I saw somebody that had debt. I saw somebody that was coming from, you know, a profession that might not have been her passion entirely, something she was really good at that she really loved and cared about and did well, but that wasn't fulfilling her to the highest. And I really just wanted to give her the tools to make money right away. And then for me, it was just like, you're going to, you're going to make whatever you need this to be from there out of what, whatever it is that I give you, you're then in, you got your foot in the door, you can ask the questions, you know, all that stuff. And, yeah. you know, from there you're making money. So then you can, you can pay for the seminars you want and continue from there. Yeah. I, I went at it with the approach of, you know, shoot, now that I, you know, I have finances in order, that was kind of uh, the approach that they took with me. I was like, yeah. well, let's figure out how to get you making money doing this. And I was yeah. like, well, I've I've got that right now. So why don't we why don't we slow it down and just because I wanted to go at it. I said, if I'm gonna get into this, you know, I want to get into it for the right reasons and I wanna I wanna be patient with it. Right. Um, and where people saw, you know, me being able to graduate, what would be my apprenticeship six months down the line, uh, I actually held on to it for a little bit later than that, too, just because uh, I wanted to feel confident and comfortable with certain things that I set for myself uh, with what I wanted to achieve that I didn't feel I was necessarily learning. Right. Um, not to say what I wasn't being taught wasn't applicable to what I was uh, going right. to be able to do, but just being able to feel confident into taking that step. So it's not rushed and, you know, just going at it from that approach um, was what I found myself going into it for. <clears throat> and then, you know, now the compensation and all that, you know, I've heard a, a lot of, you know, the reward comes later. So that, that was kind of my mentality that I wanted to take into it. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, that's, that's appropriate for most things. And, um, you know, the compensation, uh, I, I find that it's something that you have to really keep, you know, like you just pointed out the, um, 
the want to next level and pursue what you're ultimately wanting to get out of it at the forefront of things and never let the income, no matter how high it is, get in the way of those ultimate goals, because it should be a constant progression, a constant reinvestment, and all of those things. So as long as that's like your, it sounds like that's your attitude. You you sound like you're just a nerd for art and you want to do it well. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been geeking out about it for a really long time. And, you know, you finally, you know, you're, you're kind of a, you're not a baby baby, but you're kind of a baby in our profession right now. So everything is just kind of like wide eyed and like, whoa. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I figured it's going to be that way for a little while still. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, um, that's that's cool do you did you find that okay so so what was your first tattoo uh, on a person not on a pigskin <laughs> so first tattoo i did was actually on her boss um and i actually it was so it was a mermaid like neotrad like face that i drew up for her. right having just you know the vague concepts of you know line weight what little bit of actually we just did lines on it and i actually ended up gray lining the whole thing mm-hmm. and i was told like you know that's bad and i was like well why is that bad? I'm gonna like eventually want to make this better one day. <laughs> I right. actually be able to hit it with hard lines. Right. And uh, so that was the that was the first attempt at it. And I just remember thinking, like, because it was so loose, and I was kind of granted a lot of the freedoms that you don't get till later on. And you know, from what I think is at most other shops, right? You know, you kind of look at it and you look at yourself like, what the hell did you just do, dude? Yeah. And you look at that for the next like five that you actually do on people when you get turned over and it's, you know, just some of the shoddiest stuff. I'll always remember like the first five that I did Yeah. uh, because the second one was then on me and it was like, okay, we learned how to gray line now. Let's actually learn how to rip a line. And, you know, you botch that up. (laughs) So let's let's make it better. And, you know, (laughs) just that constant uh, push and pull that you experience. Um, and I had a preconceived notion, I think, that it was, you know, that it was going to be like that. I just wasn't expecting it to actually hit me as hard as it was going to. Um, but yeah, it's those first five that I remember, too, because if for anybody who else has kind of come into our shop that I've seen, it's always kind of been the same thing where it's the first five are going to make or break you. And you're going to know if you're, you know, bred for it or not. And mm-hmm. if you take if you sit down, take a hard look at yourself, like at the end of the day, it, no matter what anybody's going to you know, tell you, uh, when you're at home sitting, if you're really thinking about what you did on somebody and you think it's good or bad, like, you know, that's, that's something you're going to have to come to grips with. And, you know, from that so much better about (laughs) my first apprentice (laughs) because I made her do her second one on herself. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, I had, I had her do one on me later. I probably should have had her do one, but her husband wanted her very first. So I felt like that was you know, like wh- why not instruct her to do it on her husband who wanted her very first, who he's committed to her forever for life. So, you know, why not? And uh, so, but yeah, the, her second one in, she was like, I'm humbled. And like, t- like you could just see the tears in her eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and she would come to me like, how the fuck do you do this? How do you go home and not like think think about you just did <laughs> it never goes away <laughs> no. well i mean i told her i was like because i don't have the i don't have the time to think about what i just did i have to do the next thing tomorrow like that's that's really what it comes down to like 
some exciting news, diary listeners. We actually got a wonderful promotional code from Reinventing the Tattoo recently, and we're happy to share this with you. It's 10% off on a subscription to Reinventing the Tattoo. And if you don't know about this wonderful, wonderful service, it's continuing education for working professionals, very geared around tattooers. But I would venture to say that if you are looking to improve your art skills and have regular momentum to your creativity and to your own professional education, I can't recommend it enough. One of the prime people that you will be critiqued by and helped with and draw with and all of that good stuff is Guy Atchison. And if you don't know about him, you probably should. He is a very, very pivotal person in our industry. I joined them for for one exercise. I, I did a color study. I mean, Rico sat there and, and watched me the other night do mm-hmm. a, a color study exercise with Guy and company, and it was amazing. I was flexing all kinds of muscles. It's just all around if you want to improve your art skills. I can't see a better way than hanging out with a lot of professional artists and seeing the kind of work that they do and the kind of exercises they work on all the time. It's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. So again, that's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. And that's gonna save you 10% on your subscription. Go check it out, folks. Hello, Apprenticeship Diary listeners. There's a new trimmer company out there called Smooth My Balls. And when I tell you it's Nick Free, it's Nick Free. If you want one and would like to save 15%, go to smoothmyballs.com forward slash The Apprenticeship Diaries. I, I can only think about it when it comes up again. Like if that person shows up again in my life, like you said, with your gray wash, by the way, I, I don't think that was wrong. I mean, it might be wrong because your mentor said it was wrong, but I see where your head was at with it. And it was the same thing when people would criticize me about I need more black in my tattoos. And I was like, dude, these are my early years tattoos. If they're washy as fuck later, cool. I can put something amazing (laughs) over it later. And that's fine. If we lock this in with some black fucked up blowout, you know, scarred up lines that, that I'm not assured of this person is marked man. And they only got laser to get this shit off. I'd rather, I'd rather come into something light. And that's what they teach you in art school too. You come in light and you hone and you hone and you hone. So I think that's something that like in traditional tattoo culture, anyway, it's all about like, you know, put in a good line. You should know how to put in a good line and be like, okay, well, while I'm learning to put in a good line, uh, I would like, I would like some scalable things here to let me know that I'm not going to fuck this person over or myself. So I, I can appreciate that as well. That's cool. Yeah, that yeah, that was definitely the approach. Like, how can I not how can I not fuck them up now so I can save them later? Yeah, Grace, you may come back to me with. <laughs> yeah, well, you safe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and safe. you're a likable guy. Like already, I, I I find like you know you you obviously have that customer service service part of you. You know, you've obviously got a nice demeanor. You know, you're amiable, so you're you're probably going to be a person that people would give another opportunity to. Whereas if you come into it you know, kind of grizzled or, um, not having those, those kind of wide eye bushy tail, like, you know, kind of excitement yeah. about things. 
and ambition to you, um, people are not going to want to help you. So like if they know that you're really excited and they know that it's your first tattoos and, and you treat them that way, if you treat them with something that like, Hey dude, I don't necessarily know how good this is going to be, but I promise you no matter how bad this is, I will fix it later. Like this is long haul for me. (laughs) The the one thing I never really wanted to lose sight of ever. And I still, every, every client who comes in, I treat them, you know, I try and remember what it was like to be the first time client when you walk in and just treat, whether it's their first or, you know, 20th tattoo, you just treat it like it's always their first. It's kind of been my approach to it whenever somebody comes through those doors. Yeah, no, totally. Um, Do you, um, so I, I wanted to say like, um, I, I admire and I agree with you as far as like, um, I, it's not my style. I, I very much so took my art style and just kind of rolled into tattooing. But as far as an art style that I admire the most, it would have to be neo-traditional. Um, is, that, is that why you kind of picked it? I mean, it's, it's also one of the hardest, I feel, because in, as far as art and um, art theory and color, all of that, um, fundamentals. Um, it is to me the perfect meal when you look at a tattoo. Is that what you found when you? Yeah. So I, I actually didn't know I really wanted to go for a neo trad kind of feel because at the <laughs> time uh, when I was get ta- getting tattooed where I was, um, her name's Liz Van Borden. She's you know she did all this realism um, and she was doing all this all this crazy stuff and I was just that's where I kind of picked the idea of gray lining from. Right. At the time, not knowing how, you know, more of an advanced kind of technique something like that is. Um, but then I kind of started drawing in my own style and I just started looking at just, you know, you go through the rabbit hole of looking at whatever might be appealing to you. And, you know, Neo Trad with all the vibrant colors is what kind of stuck with me. But everything I had been getting done had been black and gray. And, you know, with Liz, just the way her her brain and my brain worked, it was like it was just on such a parallel level with being able to describe how a grayscale works. Right. And so everything I'd ever, ever done up to that point had been like drawing in black and gray. And then I experienced color and, you know, that neo-traditional palette that kind of comes along with that. I was just like, wow, you know, once we can, once we can really dive into this, this is, you know, this stuff is beautiful. And it's Mm -hmm. like what you said, it dissects, it actually builds foundations into uh, things like portraitures, uh, black and gray pieces. Um, things of that nature. You want to know how to do fine line. Like there's mm-hmm. fine line in neo-traditional stuff too. So. Oh, I mean, it's, it's everything. Yeah. It's line weight, it's form, it's composition, it's perspective, yeah. it's color, tone, um, all of those things that are the foundational things all rolled into one and fit and flow too, because most of yeah. the time it very much so de- decorates the body because you, you know, it's decorative even within itself. You know, you have, if it is a portrait of a woman it is the most decorated, beautifully, but perfectly decorated version of that portrait. And then as it sits on the body, it also does the same thing for the body and how it, yeah. how it flip fits and flows. So for me, it, for me, that is the mastery of tattooing. And I think you can bend it a little more illustrational. You can do a lot of different things. Um, I also, I also love the, um, I don't even know what the fuck to call it. It's the one that I'm going after because I think I just like imploring a lot of styles and stuff, but I love 
like Jay Freestyle. And there's another dude I just started following that his fucking work. Oh my God. It's like, it's like a lot of black and gray with just hits of color, which is something that also that neo-traditional does, but it's a lot of realism, a lot of pattern, a lot of, um, and just perfectly balanced lighting and hits of color that just make the tattoo leap out of the body. And I don't even know what the fuck you call it. I have to look at their hashtags, but I know, I know Jay Freescale just says like collage tattoo. Like he, he, he names the sponsors. He's fucking Jay Freestyle. Like he doesn't, he's He's, dope. (laughs) Right. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to call it anything. It's fucking him. So like, but there's like another guy and hopefully I can, I can, um, I can figure out what, uh, what his, um, what his name is and and talk um, about it. There's David Corden out in Edelbrook and he, he was somebody that I looked at, uh, starting because his color palette is very almost, it looks very pastel like, but at the same time hits with those tonal values of like a neo-traditional palette. Yeah. And it's just like it's the only person I've seen who's kind of doing something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was a big inspiration when I started looking at uh, different arts of works and everything. And it was kind of like, how are you blending things like this? Yeah. And so, yeah. And you know, Do you your know stuff Steve too, Moore? That, uh, oh, you have to look at him. So I've, Steve I've Moore, name, it's get more tattoos on, on Instagram. He's another one that I drool over. Um, he, uh, he does, it's like everything fused into one. It's like illustrational, neo-traditional, color theory, Japanese. Like it, it has all, like all the perfect elements of all. Of it. And the guy is just sickening. It just makes me sick. <laughs> he just, I love him. I, I, he's in Canada. Um, he's Canadian. He's really cool. Uh, apparently, he he seems to be really into cryptids, specifically uh, Bigfoot. So that's pretty cool. Too. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd love to gonna, have Steve on. I was going to ask you too, like, how does how does your brain work with like you know color? Does it work almost the same way where you kind of see like a scale with black and gray? Because the, I've seen, you know, the things that you do, and it's beautiful, Aww. just absolutely beautiful work. The way you know things follow the uh, flow of the body and everything. And but I can't ever wrap my head around you know shit like shit like what you're doing and what uh, uh, these other crazy artists who are doing stuff uh, with color are doing sometimes. I feel, okay. So my background was in painting first. So, um, and, and all forms of painting, acrylic, watercolor, oil, but as a classically trained painter, they tell you never to use pure pigments. So that was, that was the weird switch that I had to turn on and off between tattooing and painting because, um, they ask you to use hardcore black. Black is your foundation for most things, which, you know, unless you know the properties of tattooing and, and why, and nobody told me why. They're just like, you need to use more black and you need to have a black outline and you need to, and that all just was like, stop telling me what art is. Like that, that's what it came in my brain is. And stop telling me how to be me. Like you don't fucking know yeah. and you don't do what I do. So I, I'm not going to listen to you because I felt like they wanted to be more like them, but they were right. They just didn't know. I don't think they, they knew how to combine what I was doing because they didn't know what source I was coming from. The ones that 
did know where I was coming from. Like Evan Olin, who also learned the same way I did. I got a lot of information by watching him and seeing how he put in um, a tattoo and he's like hyper realism and stuff like way beyond me. But um, yeah, I, I have a problem with detail. I love detail. I love obsessing about layering and all of this stuff. And I think what I admire most about uh, neo-traditional is how decisive it is about its color palette because it's perfectly balanced between warms and cools. And uh, it has, it has like just the perfect amount of contrast to make it pop. And it's simple. Like if you really break it down, it's simple and I'm not simple. I, I, my shit looks like a painting, which is why people like coming to me, but it kind of frustrates me because <laughs> even though my clients have come to me, depending on it, they love it. And it's, it's a terrible thing to like say, yeah, it frustrates me that I'm like this, but my whole thing is continually trying to pull out and pull out and pull out and get bigger and bigger and bigger. and make decisions that are about like contrast, you know, lighting, drama, um, line weight and things like that. And not just this little nitpicky shit that I love to get into and all of the layering and obsession that I love to do, but that's only like romantic here. But when you <laughs> stand back, you're like, what the fuck yeah. am I looking at? <laughs> So like, I mean, I'm getting better and better. I mean, it, it, I obviously, you know, I still have clientele. Obviously I'm still, you know, um, doing well as an artist, but just to let you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still making those decisions and I'm still really, really trying to um, grapple this obsession that I have, which I think, you know, I, I know this sounds awful. And again, I, I know that my clients don't come to me because I'm the best. They might think I'm the best. Um, maybe the best at what I do because it's me. Um, but I don't think I'm the best. And I really, I don't, I mean, I, who the fuck knows? I, I don't see myself ever getting there. Like, yeah. you know, like I, I, I don't think that I'm going to ever compete and who knows, but I don't think I'm ever going to compete with like Steve Moore and and people like that i want to get tattooed by people of that stature one day um yeah. or or just kind of hang out with them and talk with them and get their know their story but just to be in those circles and just to kind of walk amongst people like that and, and enjoy them and and know what their stories are i think is enough for me but that's just something because i've i've never been i've never really been a competitive person i just want to be the best version of me but I don't think the best version of me is the best. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, I think, I think, I think it's that's good. A great outlook. Yeah. It's a good, yeah. it's good. And it's, it's more than adequate. It's more than successful. It's like, it's sickening for me to even say that with as much success as I've had in my life. But yeah. like, I truly, I truly believe that what I have in spades is something that doesn't even, even much have to do with art. I think it's the connection that I have with my clients and how I, I craft my service and kind of the all around, I don't know, business mind person that I'm aiming to be like that. I really want, I want, I want to give, I want to pass a light to people and I want to see that light pick up their flame. And that's, yeah. that's really what I want. So yeah. 
but through art, I want it to be through art. I want to do it through art. Um, but yeah, it's, I, but who knows? I don't fucking know. I mean, maybe I, maybe I will be uh, somebody's elite, whatever, because it all depends on what you're aiming to do. Right. Like, you know, I'm not neo-traditional, but I, I admire that. And someone else, maybe somebody else who's neo-traditional or who is, is like, Oh, I wish I could do color like her. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I think that mindset comes to you from just the innate, you know, instinct of wanting, of always wanting to like help people and just yeah. kind of help progress things forward, mm-hmm. not ever backwards. Cause it's, uh, you know, I think it's too easy to get frustrated, but at, and complacent in an area, but how to keep yourself rolling forward. I, I asked that question to uh, one of our other artists. And I just, just like what you said, I'm like, you ever feel like we're just running around chasing, you know, something that's unattainable and <laughs> not knowing what that unattainable thing even is. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, why, why are we wired like that? I, but it, it, it makes it, it also, fun. Yeah, it, <laughs> it makes it fun. <laughs> Because, you know, it's kind of like a hamster in a wheel. You're in this fucking like bubble of reality that you didn't dictate all the terms, but you got this fucking wheel. And, you know, I could either sit over here and get really, really fat or whatever. And, you know, or I could run on this wheel and like entertain myself. (laughs) I don't get anywhere, but I'm at least I'm a better time than sitting over there and, and being miserable in the corner. I think, I think with it comes the underlining mindset of just keep moving, just like never want to stop and just keep moving. Well, and that way you're not sitting in your own shit either to go back to the hamster too. Cause otherwise if you're sitting in the corner, you're just sitting in your own piss and shit. So at least if you're on the hamster wheel, that shit just flings off. (laughs) (laughs) Kicking up rooster tails. Oh, it's fantastic. (laughs) I love analogies. I don't know if that's evident. It, it just came to my mind because when we used to go mudding, my buddy had like a lifted Bronco and we would go in like these uh, soggy fields after it rained. And most of them will be in the back of like, you know, these big warehouses and you would just slam on the gas and mud would just like pfft, coat the side of the building, calm rooster tails. Oh, my God. <laughs> I told somebody the other day, I'm like, yeah, you know, shit rolls downhill and they're like, that is really ignorant. And I just looked at them I'm like, but true, like you, true. <laughs> you can't fight physics. Like facts matter more than your feelings. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Not sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, I want to. What type of machine do you use right now? Yeah. Cool. So I'm still using a Zion, but I'm starting to, you mentioned earlier, kind of wanting to break into those other uh, facets of like how machines are built and how they operate. Um, I want to get, you know, I've been saving up money and I can't decide if I want, you know, something of a Bishop or uh, if I want to go something, you know, just a hard hitting coil uh, yeah. and kind of learn. And cause we do have somebody who can actually uh, teach me how to use that. Um, Bishops so I've been are want- not, they're good in between. You've got the yeah. Bishop micro it's right here, right? Yeah, I do. I have, I have the, um, the micro Michelangelo. And then I also have, um, Dan Cuban. My recent one is the Dan Cuban. Dude, that shit is gold. That it is. It is gold and it is literally 
really cold. <laughs> that, uh, I think I was just listening to that. Was that Eric who er, Eric uses that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was. That was on my list to kind of check that out within the upcoming days here because yeah. I was like, ooh, <laughs> something yeah. new. <laughs> I mean, the beautiful thing about coil machines, depending on where you buy them from, you can keep. I mean, if you want a tinkering base thing you don't really have to dump a huge amount of money into them until you kind of get your hands into them and start playing with them i mean dan cuban is is a great in between where you can still use cartridges if you want to or you can use a needle um needle bar configuration with tubes um i like the dan cuban a lot and especially for like somebody who might want um something that's uh, in between, uh, cause it has the weight it has, um, it has Dan. He's a fantastic person to buy from because he he'll tune it completely for you. Um, very, very personal feel to the way that he crafts the machine and then, then delivers it to you. And also, I mean, but they are expensive. Um, but I think that it's because of how well crafted they are made. Um, they're just, they're beautiful machines, but yeah, I mean, I love my Bishop too. And Bishop was not a huge investment as far as like money was in concern, but I really like it. And it, but it's light. So if if you want something that still has a lightness, but has like the the what I like is it has that hit like a coil a lot more than say a Zion. A Zion has like um it's just the machine, you know, like it can like only Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that that machine, it's really great. Zions and and all like those kind of pen machines, at least that I've found, because I haven't tinkered much beyond the uh, Cheyenne, the Cheyenne pens. Um, They just are really great for packing, I find. But I I think that I struggle more with lining with them and certain... um, certain techniques that require you to be able to turn your voltage down really, really low. And when you have something that has a, um, has more of a, a traditional tattoo or coil machine, you can turn it down really low and you can get so many different nuances with your tools. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I think I played into uh, kind of going off Rico I, I, where I had and still have just one machine, I started playing around more with kind of my other tools and other materials that I was using different brands of things, um, inks, needles, like all those things. And just being really hyperactive with how often I should be cleaning and getting the most out of my raw materials that I'm using, uh, to perform the craft. So, yeah. yeah, Do you have, do you have tattoo artists in your studio that use different things than you, or they all pretty much on rotaries as well? Pretty much rotaries. We have a few old timers um, right. who who used to use coils, and now they've all ever since I've started, they've switched over to rotaries. And so, should ask was, them if was, they have their old ones and if they'd be willing to, you know, you play with them. You know? Yeah, let oh, you play with sure. them. Yeah. Oh, for sure, they would be like cool. absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the next step is wanting to get into yeah. uh, get into the multifaceted dimensions of all all types of machines and all that crazy stuff now. I, like I feel it. like that timing's finally there. So. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of the the more um, so my friend uh, Josai Josai Vachier, I think is how he says his last name. If I brutalize it, I'm sorry, Josai. Um, <laughs> he's awesome. He's um, uh, he lines with a, a coil, 
and he shades and at least the last time I, I knew of, he <clears> lines <throat> with a coil and he shades with a rotary. And he's yeah. like, you know, I just, I find that in order for me to have the kind of, mach- you know, like the kind of look that I want, I need two machines, you know, I need, I need to, um, not because I need to, but because in, I need to, in order to have what I, what I want. So, um, he does, he does the lines all with coil and then another machine he uses for, for packing. So I, I think that's a good, um, good alternative too. And if yep. you had both, I mean, you already have the Zion. So maybe you do want to go balls to the wall in the other direction with like a coil machine and just, um, you know, reference your old heads, you know, and, and, um, you know, do some research, ask some questions of some people that, that you really admire what they do. And if they use coils, I, I think that most of the people just like you hit me up and said, Hey, you know, I love the podcast. It's doing a lot for me. If you said the same thing to them, be like, I love your work. I, I, what machines are you using? What would you recommend? This is where I'm at. A lot of them, they might not get back right away, but they'll, they typically love to give that kind of information because most of us don't want shitty work out there. <laughs> it really yeah. hurts us, our heart to like, you know, cause we care about our clients. We care about, you know, our craft. We care about how people see our craft and that we want people to know that it's a, a profession that we really put a lot into and that we, we hold very high, um, in, in all respects, uh, that, that there's a lot of responsibility that we, we take on in what we do. And we don't want anybody to think that we're just cavalier about it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and if you don't, you know, it'll, it'll speak for itself. And, you know, I, I think tattooing chooses, you know, people who belong in it more than we may think, because if you, if you go nonchalant about it, you don't recognize those things, then I think it's just, you know, it's a missed opportunity. Uh, that could have been given to somebody else. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you, um, have you done any uh, conventions <clears throat> or guest spots yet? Nothing, nothing on that regard. Because it's yet. Co- COVID and all yeah. the shit. And I've been, I've been told, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I've been told like, you know, let's, let's get you going with conventions and everything like that. And it was just one of those things where I said, you know, not because of so much of my apprenticeship with how loose it was, I said, you know, not until the time's ready, not until I feel like, I'm able to take that step into, you know, calling myself a tattoo or tattoo right. artist that I feel like I want to take that step into that convention. Right. Um, and it was, like I said, uh, a little bit earlier where people saw me being able to graduate, probably what would have been even uh, like at that six month period, I wanted to hold on to it because I had those goals in my head that I wanted to achieve before I felt comfortable right. uh, taking that next step. And it was something where I feel like I couldn't have been, uh, I, I wasn't being taught what I wanted to achieve, but knowing I could get there on my, like, not on my own, but knowing like, I'm, this is where I'm going and I'm not, I'm not fucking stopping. Like, it's, You're right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he just hit his own hand. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> it was like the full force of Rico. Uh, <laughs> I got this corner. It's just, it's flimsy right here. I think this desktop actually comes off. Well, let's not test it, babe. I was just trying to scratch my face. Don't break the desk. I was trying to scratch my face. Taking out walls. This is what living with this man is like. Can you walk softer? (laughs) Oh, pay attention to that. I'm like so conscious of that walking around my own apartment. (laughs) I feel terrible (laughs) for my neighbors below. (laughs) 
244 pounds, man, it's not much I can do. He's just, well, and he's, he's energetic too. So he gets really excited and he like runs, he's like my cat, only 244 pounds of it just running up and down the stairs. Thank God we live in a townhouse. (laughs) I know. If I lived on like the second floor of an apartment, they'd probably try to shoot me through the floor. Well, (laughs) I will say this. You fuck up our stairs. You're replacing them. No, they're solid. <laughs> They've been tested. Let's see. I mean, they they will continue to be tested. Um, but no, uh, I was gonna say recently. So a lot of what it's like everything, right? Like a lot of what you see is like the elite of the elite of the elite, and you you're that's kind of the reason why I started this podcast is so that people could commune with um, people who are still really really hustling still trying to bring their dreams about and maybe hear from a few more elite people but then also hear how much those people are still not have never arrived and will never arrive at at the things that they want um but it's the same with conventions too like i went to a lot of big conventions um right away um Baltimore. I, I visited DC. I never worked it. I, I visited uh, Philly. I don't ever want to work it. Um, I know that sounds awful, but I really don't. Um, it's bombarding to visit that convention and uh, you get gassed out like really fucking fast. Uh, and no, no, not saying anything about, about it, guys. It's just a pace that I don't think I'll ever be cool with. The Baltimore um, one was awesome. I know. And that then, was the one before COVID. Right. And awesome. The ones that I really found, I didn't make the, a lot of money, but I um, I probably broke even on the ones that I loved were the ones where I loved the place that I was going. Like I love Tahoe. It's a very small convention, not necessarily the best um, draw in for the tattoo crowd. But as far as like the place that you're at, oh my God, you, you want to be in Tahoe. And yeah. then the artists that you met that also were attracted to Tahoe was was incredible. So knowing other tattoo artists there. And then also the Hell City Tattoo Conventions. They were like the biggest ones that I did that also had like amazingly elite tattoo artists that, you know, the, if you didn't have a book already or whatever, you probably weren't going to get very much um, going on or you would just break it even like me. Um you know, I, I was hoping to keep a rhythm of those tattoo conventions up so that I would have a name and that people would ask for me when I return, which would have happened had COVID not happened. Um, I plan on going to Ohio now just simply because, because I've never done that Hell City convention uh, of Derbs. But um, what I was getting at is that recently with our podcast, and I'm such a juice, so anybody's listening to this podcast when you finally do, I will get to you. I met so many amazing people that were local that were from PA and Maryland and around just around me that I had no idea about because I went to this Gettysburg small convention recently and we walked around Gettysburg tattoo expo. Yeah, it was awesome. And, um, and, um, it was called the battlefield tattoo expo. And, um, and it was, it was amazing. And, I didn't realize how much was all around me and how many dope people that I want to know that are, that are local or that are not that far away. And, um, we rolled in as the podcast and we, you know, emptied out all our business cards and we have so many connections that I have (laughs) to make good on, but like, um, it was a dope little 
convention. And so what I would recommend is if you want to baby step it, try to find out obscure little conventions like that don't have a lot of clout that, you know, maybe they're going through their first generation too, because we, we had that happen with the, um, I think it was, I think it was the evergreen tattoo convention in Portland, Oregon, um, that we did, we did their first one. I think that's what it was. And it was, it was kind of a shit show a little bit. It was good, but it was, you know, like they're going through growing pains too. So it's a little bit easier to have your feelings of like growing pains or wanting, you know, wanting to put a good foot forward and then also seeing somebody else doing the same and like, everybody's just trying to figure it out together. And then it's, it's kind of cool, but no, the battlefield one was super dope and it was little and except for that second floor, it was hot as shit. Well, it was hot. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if the AC was working up there, man. The hotel that they did it in. I mean, I don't, I don't want to like, sh- I never want to shit on everybody. I think everybody, especially post COVID is trying to do the best that they can do. Um, cause that's a whole other factor. But as far as like, I was like, why the fuck have I never done a local tattoo convention like this? Like this is, it's not far. I could, I could easily commit to this. This is really, really cool. I really, really like the pace of this. It was very mm-hmm. intimate. The people were super kind. Everybody was stoked to like meet us and have a conversation. And it just didn't have that, like, that like oh my god you know like it's so and so over there and like why do am i yeah. even here and you know like the kind of thing not weighing down <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there was a few people like that still that were like that and i even saw one of my friend evan's um sleeves that i think i think the, the collector he won a, a, a award for one of evan's leg sleeves that he's done but i was like oh shit look at that that's one of evan's hard leg sleeves um, they were there because, you know, you if if you've gotten tattooed by somebody in another state, you can still enter in contests um, in your local yeah. arena and collect trophies for the work that you've acquired as a collector. So there's a lot of people that are professional collectors yeah. and they go and they submit their work to contests all the time. And they just they just rack in the trophies, man, because they're fucking dope. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a great space and it's a great, um, I think, place to, you know, like not feel like you're competing too. So especially if you are like putting yourself in with other tattoo artists in the tattoo competitions, a great way to compete and, you know, maybe feel like you have, you know, you, you keep scaling the pond that you're in, you know, like probably feel to be a little fish in a little pond is probably good right now. And then you'll get a bigger pond and then you can become a bigger fish, you know? Yeah. Change aquariums. Yeah. Yeah. And the only way to do that is use other people in this world as your fuel. I think yeah. is what it comes down to too. And you know, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, I think all we have are each other to yeah. bolster each other up and, you know, keep, keep, keep moving forward. Yep. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. That's awesome. <laughs> That wraps up part one of our interview with Derek Hartman. Come back next week for the conclusion. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our our listeners. listeners.
Thank you for listening to the Apprenticeship Diaries. I'm Dale Preston, and I'm guest commentating this podcast. This is part one, titled All In. It's a bit short, but appropriate, I would say. Anyway, go about your day.